0: Who are the winners and losers from the Six Nations? Who's the dirtiest player our guys have played against? And which Irish players will definitely make the Lions squad? It's all coming up on The Hard Yards.
1: The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes, passionate about sport.
2: With fantastic support, half of Ireland were here. The rest of them are hopefully smiling at home.
1: (laughs) We had a bet earlier in the year, 20 euros, that if we won it, I wouldn't cry, but... It's uh, the best 20 quid I'll ever spend. He's hastily. Well, he picks it up quickly and off he goes.
0: Drops it off the head Rugby Higgshaw scores it! Rugby
3: History! Ireland beat the All Blacks for the first
0: time. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Hard Yards, the Sports Show Rugby Podcast. I'm Andy McGee. Joining me on the line is Paddy Wallace. Hello, Paddy. Good
3: morning, Abby. How are
0: you? I'm very well. And with me in the studio I have a sports show rugby reporter, Pat McCary. Morning all. Kev McLaughlin. Hello Andy. And Rowan McGarrah. Hi Andy. We'll have Alex Donahue from Ladbrokes and later to talk about their view of how many Irishmen will make the Lions squad and who's done most to help their cause during the Six Nations. But first, last night on Sports Show's Facebook Live, there was a question about the dirtiest player you've ever played against. Rog, we'll leave you out of this one for the moment.
1: Kev, you're up. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's an interesting one. I think they're were a few masters of the dark arts I had the pleasure of playing against and with uh, and one in particular who uh, would stand out would be Nathan Hines uh, as I'm sure Raj <laughs> remembers playing against him he's one of those people you love having in your team and Joe used to show clips of like these filthy dirty <laughs> cheating things he'd do and kind of Uh, condone them in a strange way by kind of giving out to them but smiling at the same time so all the young lads in the room be looking at Joe going Jesus Christ if I do that he'll smile at me too because Joe doesn't smile much in meetings (laughs) Uh, so Joe secretly loved it Um, I loved it playing with him but then I remember uh, we played Claremont uh, and a doubleheader at Christmas uh, the year after Heinze left us and perfectly honest I got on really well with Heinze and I was thinking he's not going to dick us here he's going to be real solid you know, he's just going to play a good hard game and uh, from the kickoff, I feel this knee in my lower back and I turn around and see Heinzey smiling at me, I said, and uh, <laughs> then in the return fixture, I'll never forget it, seeing, uh, I think it was about 75 minutes into the game, seeing Sexto chase Heinzey around the pitch in the middle of the game, I don't know what Heinzey had done to him at ruck, but Johnny <laughs> forgot about the game and chased him around the park. Um, so he was an absolute master but in terms of the dirtiest player there was a guy who played for B a guy called the Viking I can't even remember what his name was A second round Lund but was it? Yeah, there there yeah. Lund with the big beard and yeah. shaved head I made the mistake of taking him on one game and I tried a bit of a Heinze on it but I don't think I was ever a master of the dark art. so he was going to, to tackle someone from Pillar and I just gave his jersey a nudge I just pulled him back a little bit he turned around <laughs> winked at me and elbowed me square in the nose <laughs> and broke my nose and um, and it was the last time I ever took on the Viking I never will again Um, I didn't do a Johnny now chasing around the park but uh, I refused to shake his hand after the game so I feel like I won
0: (laughs) Paddy do you have any of those do you have anyone you particularly remember their um, their particular expertise
3: Uh, probably one teammate of mine uh, stands out above all would be Robbie Kempson, the South African prop. Uh, he played about three years at Ulster under Alan Solomons, And again, one of those players that you like to have on your own team but uh, would have hated to, to be playing against. You'd have to have eyes in the back of your head, as Todai Kefi found out one time whenever he got a flying elbow in the back of the head and uh, caused him quite a severe neck injury. Uh but yeah, Robbie, Robbie was uh, one of the nicest guys off the pitch, uh, very softly spoken, uh, very much a gentleman. And uh, But when he was on the pitch, he was, he was an animal. He was filthy. Uh, <laughs> I think I heard a story recently uh, coming from the Bermuda Classic a couple of years ago where the South Africans, who do take it very seriously, were playing in the United States. And... Uh, a similar incident to the one in Australian Sydney, whenever he, he threw the flying elbow in the back of Todai carefully after he had passed the ball. I think he did something similar to the, the United States out half. So anyway, that uh, the game finished and uh, everybody went their separate ways. But uh, Robbie got a, a knock on his hotel door that evening and it was the local police and he was arrested for assault <laughs> uh, and didn't play any part I think in the rest of the tournament uh, so the rumour goes anyway but yeah Robbie uh, he had a reputation of a bit of a killer on the pitch uh, gentleman off it but uh, certainly somebody you'd like on your own team
0: um, there are some, some tournaments in which there are more cameras than others and some playing years as well
3: yeah 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 uh, yeah, I got a small piece of it there last week in the, uh, in the Legends game. Uh, it was great fun. It was great fun. A lot of old bodies running around the pitch trying to you know, pretend they can still play. But uh, it's still competitive now. The likes of Quinny and stuff. So who, who, like are, you ta- the, who are you talking uh, those, about? Who got at you? Uh, well, I got knocked out in the first couple of minutes. <laughs> oh, uh, I thought it was non-contact. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it sort of was, but I think I got my head in the wrong position. I was trying to tackle Chris Chesney stupidly, and uh, I just sort of blanked out for for a few seconds. And Yeah, the old uh, dodgy head reappeared, so uh, I sat out for a few minutes and then came back on for... Most of the second half, first half again, and then just it's the, the doc said, "Lights up." Our former
2: you? players are really respecting <laughs> the new <laughs> HIA protocols. <and> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we uh, I, didn't
3: be, I, the, I didn't want to be. I didn't want to come off. Yeah. Having to play you didn't want to leave your teammates down. Buddy. No,
1: you're afraid yeah. you wouldn't. You wouldn't <laughs> get your share of points after the game if you didn't at least play half a game. Like, I think that's probably. I, that
3: that's was possible. that was actually one of the first things the doc said. Listen, I
2: didn't think you. should Your grandpaddy, your grandpaddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah. Co- we'll come back sure. to the HIA thing later on I think after we, last weekend but um, Rod you're not getting away with this one so um, who you know
2: I, I, um, it's brilliant that Kev is there I can um, I still have the kind of uh, a lack of feeling in the right side of my right knee, Hine, Nathan Hines got me an absolute beautiful stamp <laughs> in Musgrave Park, I'll never forget <laughs> it, the kind of timing and the I think the capacity what he di- it did that day has just stuck in my head and it's over 10 years ago.
0: The level of medical expertise um, that he showed. <laughs> <laughs> With yeah, a scalpel um,
2: I was on the ground, he somehow kind of managed to kind of just get a running kind of stamp right into the knee where the um, you kind of lose power. And uh, the knee On was the never the same. On the kicking leg, of course. Like. The knee, yeah, I've all calculated. <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt, definitely. There was, um, oh, he got me an absolute butte. You know what I mean? But from sometimes you just
0: gotta take your beating, you know. I'm looking forward to getting in to defend himself. That's yeah, what yeah. I am. Need to give a man a platform. No, to defend because himself. this is it. Because I
2: remember. Uh, Johnny talked about Nathan Hines he Mm. said he was very good friends with him in Dublin then the minute he went to the other side he just
4: became evil (laughs) and it's exactly what
2: Kev has just summarised in the last five minutes was
4: the infamous one isn't it the the Claremont Ulster game where you had three lads pinned in a a ruck and Ferris is one of them and he just—he was sitting on one lad and grabbing jerseys of the two other lads and they're just trying to go, and it still got away I think they got a try from it he hauled three guys out in one one single mo- moment and I suppose that was the, the great thing about him like a dirty, dirty guy but he actually he did it did it with reason sometimes as well uh, he's smart he's a smart guy and like <coughs> like uh, Roger's saying
1: butter wouldn't melt when you're chatting to him off the park like he's like gentle spoken absolute absolute hero and great to get on with but like just he's smart Like he did. Does what he needs to do <laughs> to get a and coaches love him for
0: it. So we'll move on from um, sports <laughs> super villains. Uh, Ireland beat England. We are now the greatest team in the world. Is that that's what we're going with here. Yep. Um, it was funny that turnaround from Ireland, Wales. Uh, everybody's down. Ireland beat England. Everybody's up. Um, have we gone too far on both ends of this, Pat?
4: Yeah, like we, it, it, we kind of turned on them. Like I, I was sitting in the in, in the Principality Stadium after the game and um, waiting for Joe Schmidt's press conference, and just just you're on you're on Twitter and you're just seeing the abuse coming in, and like these guys are a bunch of frauds. And even getting messages from friends, you know, like you know what's up, what's up with these guys? I thought they were great. I thought they beat the All Blacks. And there's a lot of Irish fans who kind of just check in and check out every now and then. We're kind of like a. I said it's it's endearing and it's annoying that we're kind of a nation of, of bandwagoners as well but I, I did see a couple of tweets going through Schmidt out and you're you're like hold on a second now like we're not exactly like you know we're not playing great but you know this guy's done some great things with us and uh, yeah it went really over the top but it, it was good to kind of see um, like the lads kind of haven't been around that and not too far removed from it kind of thought there was a big performance coming and as, as much as some people t- might have doubted that you know, would come against England. that really did, and and they they impressed the hell out of me. The defensive aspect of the performance was particularly interesting. Like the centres, uh,
0: going into the championship, um, would we have forecast that Gary Ringrose would have played every single minute um, of every game? The only Irish player to do so. Uh, Kev, the centre defence was impressive.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think Rog put out a tweet uh, about you know the defence coach and. Uh, deserving a point to Guinness but I think for me it was it was the two centres who, who probably deserved two points uh, when you look at like Jonathan Joseph's performance against Scotland the week before and the way he just sliced through them at will and like the English centres do good run run good lines and they are smart in the way they play but like for me Henshaw was a star performer for Ireland for the tournament in terms of his consistency like people turn on him after that mistake he made against Wales but he just plays mm-hmm. so hard and so consistent he's the type of guy you want to play with and um, and then you come to Ringrose uh, like just his level of consistency and playing every minute for his age in a tor- tournament like that and playing to such a high level um, I was incredibly impressed with him um, I don't know if he gets enough credit I don't know if people are talking about him enough uh, Raj, I know he's a Leinster man so you're going to be careful what you say here but like, yeah. do, does he like, does comparisons made with Drisco? like, what, what do you think say Draco at his age where was he and, and like, are comparisons fair or well, even
2: people beginning to make comparisons I think that says everything about about the young fella I think um, there is definitely some similarities in their body shapes I think in terms of their low centre to gravity, we've, this is all ground obviously we've talked about this but I think um, he's really exciting and I don't know is it an Irish thing but are people looking to find faults in him as opposed to as you said highlighting what he's really good at and what makes a difference and as 13 is probably the hardest position to play in international rugby in terms of defending three attackers at each given time you have to have such um, um, decision making capacities and that will come with experience too I I totally agree but I think those two will go to a whole new level in another 20 tests I think you know yourself I think it takes a while to find yourself and get comfortable at that level and then start expressing yourself because they seem like two really humble kids who kind of obviously they have a um, you know what I mean a hard taskmaster inside them in terms of Johnny I would say Johnny drives it hard um, I'm probably pretty confident in saying that but he also I would think encourages them but they need to find their feet and start challenging Johnny a little bit as well I would think to get the best out of them um, but yeah the play in the minutes I think it's uh, it's even changing because now even with the back subs the 10 lads are maybe with the exception of the scrum half they're going to play mm. isn't it because you're just looking at the physicality and who's going to come in and, and and fill in but I think um, there has been uh, every time his his name is on the team sheet, and yeah. for a fella that young, in it, like let's,
1: and be honest, just great choice in the centres for me, I think. It's an interesting point on in defending on thirteen. Like I know how difficult it is. Not that I play there, but I know from chatting to, say, the likes of Brendan Mackin, who spent a huge amount of time trying to learn from Draco, because. There's so much instinct involved. There's so many decisions, like you have said, you have to make in like a split second. Do you bite in or do you push out? And like Draco was a master of choosing when to come in and smash someone and when to stay out and go a bit softer and make sure that you're you can you, you can stay out for the ball out the back.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's because I have debates now because I'm obviously interested in. It, but I always tell people to watch the ball. The thirteen says to me, if I watch the ball, this guy's gone. Mm. So it's really interesting. They're saying sometimes you're there. Could you not actually? If you watch the ball, you could have intercepted it, though. But the movement of this guy—if he gets a half a meter on him at that level, go cool. you, you know what
0: I mean? Because the speed of the pass yeah. will beat him. Yeah. Um, P- so P- Paddy, you're the resident centre in the conversation. What are your thoughts on this defensively?
3: I just—the uh, well, as a centre becomes a lot easier the more familiar you are with your surroundings, as in your teammates. So, not access of of sex and. Uh, uh has has been fantastic. Uh uh <clears throat> and, and a really a really strong unit for Ireland and uh it was it was very apparent on the weekend that uh that intensity was, was right up there as, as high as it's ever been, I think, in a for an Irish team uh on the weekend because every time England got the ball they were just swarmed. Uh in to play and that's what you know they were starved of oxygen but you know the likes of Joseph and uh, you know the ball didn't seem to get out into those wide channels very often with like you know two or three men on top of the ball so it made it quite hard for England to play and uh, you know that centre combination is, is maturing very very nicely and uh, you know could be a mainstay with that Irish team and, and we'll only get better the more and more they play together
0: Rod, you want to go back to something here? You talked about challenging, challenging Johnny, challenging the big players. How important is that for the, the younger guys in the squad? Because people forget that Henshaw is still young. Ringrose is very young. How, where do they get the balls to challenge these guys?
2: I think it'll, it'll, it'll happen. And it'll, um, but you've got to earn that as well too. I think there's no point a fella coming in within six games starts saying, well, no, this is the way I do it, no. You've got to earn that you know what i mean and you got to earn that not necessarily in games but in training as well there's an opportunity to to grow in training and i think um that's i think the major advances i think that can happen in sport is in times of um preparation off the pitch mm. so how engaging are your team meetings your back meetings um you know, I mean, does Gary have something to say, but he doesn't want to say it or he doesn't feel comfortable saying it? I can remember being an out-half and monster starting off and in the dressing room and the pitch and meetings, I didn't speak, I'd say, for two years. Mm. You know, because you in front of you are all these superstars or, or fellas you look up to and you're like, I'm actually here now, you know? But I think to get ownership, I think you need to have that... Um, Johnny's probably not a great example because I think he, one of his greatest strengths is his rugby knowledge and his capacity to analyse things. I think superior to other people. But I think just in terms of Gary talking to Sean O'Brien, for example, it should be uh, he should be very comfortable. But uh, naturally, it isn't for the young young fellas, and it's only when you become experienced. I think that's people ask what's experience and why do you pick experience. But it's only till you're in that position. Experience for me is kind of. Doing the same exercise or the same um, skill application better the next time, mm. and um, I think I, I would I would think there's a very comfortable en- environment in Irish rugby in terms of young fellas being able to express themselves. And you look at the age profile of the team now; it's not as if um, you know they um, it's it's a team of OAPS. You know, it's it's a uh,
0: really really um, strong from from 22 years on. What you're saying is there, because you, you mentioned Johnny's rugby knowledge as well, so the stature and knowledge, so Kev, I'll turn this over to you, whether it's challenging the, one of the senior players or the coach, you need a combination of knowledge and a bit of your own stature as well. Um, so I suppose that could go wrong if you don't have one of those.
1: Yeah, and <clears throat> I think what Rod said is spot on in that you can't come in, play a couple of games and start you know, barking your opinion all over the shop, but you literally get no respect and people will turn on you very quickly. Even if you're right? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those environments where you actually have to prove yourself through your actions. And two or three games and a few weeks of training sessions are you putting the head down and doing the right things and learning and listening. And then people will, will start to actually listen to you. Um, and people will start to pay attention. But like it's got to be actions first, talk second. And we've all played with a, with a few of those guys that talk more than they than they do. And that's the, that's the last type of teammate you want. And I think Johnny, like, he talks a lot and he barks a lot and he, he demands high standards, but Jesus Christ, he gives it every time. And, and it's the same with the other leaders in the team. The likes of Pete. I mean, Pete doesn't talk a lot, but he leads by example. And to be perfectly honest, if, if you were to ask me, like you need a combination of people that speak and a key, of people that do. If everyone's speaking at the same time, you have an absolute rabble. And Joe will be looking at combinations like that because if everyone's talking and training, it's an absolute mess.
4: Has there ever been like either you guys or even Paddy like a, a moment where somebody has maybe a young lad has come in, just really confident in himself and actually he has stepped up? And is there anything that stands out for you? From me, it would have been Lukey Fitz. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it. Like Lukey was, I'd say, he was in the setup or in the change room two weeks, um, and he was challenging checks like Michael Cheika, and. Checks like I just remember the look of disbelief in his face seeing this guy who was he'd just been taken out of the academy into a development contract in Leinster and I think he played maybe two games against the Dragons and someone else and he I remember sticking him up with his hand and said checks actually I oh, yeah, I don't agree with that at all and everyone just goes like maybe Dricko and probably Shaggy might have been able to challenge checks but like a 19 year old just out of the academy uh, wet behind the ears, challenging Michael Checker. It, w- it was hilarious actually to observe. And uh, yeah, I mean, did you have anyone like that, Roger? I, I, it's interesting listening to that because that
2: I think that's um, a big difference in terms of I, I think maybe uh, the self confidence of a Munster player to the Le- to a Leinster player at the time. But for me, it was really uh, refreshing to see that in Irish camp when Luke came in because it was like. He was one hundred percent convinced in a his ability and b what he was talking about, and it was like he actually absolutely gave his his point and yeah. it didn't matter who he was talking to he was if he wasn't in the team didn't bother him and i think I think that really um developed our squad to kind of a place where there was a big value in people that weren't p- potentially in the team that week and it was it was um because there is a guy who can um, really convince you into his way of thinking. He's so powerful in the terms of the message he delivers and it was really interesting. I was sitting back and just going, my God. So it
1: didn't is. piss you off? You felt <laughs> no, it, it was, it was the other.
2: it was yeah, the other yeah. side. I was kind of going, I wish I was like that at times. I was yeah, like. George, what about, uh, I remember Keith
3: Gleeson came into the, the squad and was very, very opinionated from a very early stage. And that could kind of rub people up the wrong way. I think more because, you know, he wasn't born-bred in Munster or Leinster or Ulster, but came into an Irish squad and were kind of telling people how to do their jobs. Yeah. Uh, So that that sort of attitude, I think you've just got to take a wee bit of stock and know your environment a bit better because I I think it just... uh, players off a
1: little bit. I've been on the wrong end of a few lectures from so. <laughs> Jesus I remember I shared a hotel room with him in France and, like, he's, uh, he, he's very particular in the way he likes to sleep in terms of no light, no noise. And he sat me down before we went to bed and gave me a five-minute lecture on the rules. He was like, uh, we have to cover every light, you can't move, don't squeak your bed, don't get up to the toilet during the night. And I was kind of looking at him going... <laughs> really? Why could he be able to stay in this room? Well I can see he's uh... yeah th- th- f- he was
2: probably um, I would say in terms of professionalism ahead of a lot of people in that current I- or sorry in the setup of the Irish team at the time Paddy but there was definitely uh, yeah. in, ho- in terms of how he delivered his message it was like kind of go easy you know what I mean just go easy there
0: Alright we'll we'll um, we'll move on let's look back at the Six Nations so five rounds who are the big winners from an Irish point of view is, is Joe Smith is a stock up or down after that tournament
1: you're asking me who's yeah. brave <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say it's changed a huge amount like I think from his perspective from the Irish players perspective they know he's the right man Um I think with him, the pendulum doesn't swing as far as it does for the media because everything's terrible after the Wales and Scotland game. Everything's amazing after the France and England game. For them, they performed below par. They wanted to win the championship. They finished second. Uh, they beat England and uh, you know, finished the championship on a real high. But they'll look back and they be incredibly critical of themselves. Um, like Joe's not going to be celebrating this championship. Let's just be clear on that. He's going to be planning forward and planning on how we can go better. But I think what, what Roger's saying, in terms of the age profile of the team, it's really promising. Like in terms of starting team, you got a lot of young guys, and then say, like for the likes of the older players like Bestie, you got guys like Noah Scannell now who are putting their hands up and putting pressure on him, and he's what, 22, 23. I think we're in rude health for the, for the next World Cup to be perfectly honest and Joe's building nicely towards that and uh, a lot of the older players now are feeling the heat like Jamie's feeling the heat uh, from from uh, younger guys and younger back rowers and it's, it's the same right across the board and Joe's willing to make those calls. Um, but one thing that, that kind of resonated with me that Dunner said a couple of weeks ago was that he could have used the squad a little bit better um, and I think like the way he'd be looking at it is is five games that you know, the same 15 should be able to play five games and that's probably true but I just thought the guys that came in at the weekend just added an energy it added something different people worried about Murray I wasn't worried about Murray England know exactly what Murray do the fact is Marmion brings something different and they weren't ready for that and that just changed it up it changes the challenge and Joe used to mix the team around a lot in Leinster which made it hard for teams to play against us in Ireland, he has to be a bit more conservative because there's less games. But I just thought Donner's point of, of mixing it up, bringing new players in and making it more difficult for the opposition to prepare for you, I thought it worked really well against England.
0: And Murray's an interesting example because uh, a lot of teams do play like a, a, a twin scrum half. They have a starter and then someone will come in. England do that every game. But Ireland don't do that with Conor Murray and Marmion. Um, but Marmion was given the keys with Murray out and then Luke McGrath is the guy who gets the experience which for a lad of his age and lack of experience at the top level I mean that's invaluable in a, in a cauldron like that
1: Yeah it is and like Murray deserves to play 80 minutes every game he's that good he's the best scrum half in Europe at the moment and he's, he's going to start for the Lions and like I can understand why Joe does it but it just shows that you know bringing new faces in trying new things It it, it need, you need to be very brave to do it as a coach but it can uh, you know provide dividends
0: um, so England will consider themselves kind of winners, but they set themselves a bigger target of a grand slam. They didn't achieve that. Um, Raj, from the French perspective, are they winners? In their eyes, yeah,
2: I think um, they they feel that they've created a group which was never there in the past four um, six nations campaigns. What do you mean What do you mean by group? I think they feel that they have kind of 30 players that want to play for each other, want to go to Marcosi, want to put on the blue jersey. In the the past, that wasn't the case. It was more, how do I earn as much as possible from the club game? But now they can actually see that uh, there's something hugely rewarding about playing Test Rugby for France. Um, They are... I think blessed with serious rugby players, but they have an awful lot of um, work in their infrastructure to improve going forward. Um, It was a bizarre game at the weekend. They beat Scotland. They didn't look ever like beating um, Ireland or England and easily put Italy away. But um, in terms of raw ingredients, they have so so many good players to work with, but it's a case of... um, how are they going to gel them together they're getting a lot more time together but um it comes back to probably what kevin knows inside out in terms of the detail they're getting it's there's a lot of general coaching going on as opposed to you can see as we talked about ireland defense against england england are very good with the ball there isn't um you know i mean much space in a, in a game people think 13-9 is is probably a disappointing game but it was a fascinating test match in the aviva uh, everything good about Six Nations rugby in terms of pressure, intensity, playing the conditions, and um, in France, I think they probably have to. Uh, they've kept their nine ten, I think, for five games in a row, first time in five years, which is an incredible statistic. And mm. um, so it's, um, I would say they're they're happy, but they realise they have an awful long way to go.
0: Okay, Paddy, from your point of view, are there any are there any losers here? Um, especially in the Irish and uh, the Irish setup.
3: Well, we'll be very disappointed with how they started the championship. I think uh, the the Scottish game uh, would be a real disappointment for them in terms of individuals. Uh, I mean, just looking at the last game. Uh, I mean, the the injury to Jamie Heasop. How far will that set him him back going forward? Uh, but you can see the balance in the back row is... Seem to be be a, a better pairing of of individuals, and uh, you know Peter played out of his skin and was was rightfully man of the match. Uh, so uh, from just from the weekend, I think the big positive would have been Peter's performance. But where is that Jamie now going for? Because there were calls in in some quarters uh, to to mix that back row up a bit. Uh, looking through. The team and I'm just sort of looking through my Lions candidates. I mean, uh, did anybody sort of go
0: backwards in there? Someone like um, someone like Devon Toner, for example. I mean, there's a man who lost his place down to the bench and would have been seen as a, a key ingredient of the Joe g- game plan. He seems to perhaps have taken a bit of a, a bit of a knock. Well, <laughs> I
3: mean. I thought Dominic Ryan played very, very well, especially in that last game. I think Henderson, you know, you know, came, you know, lived up to his potential uh, against England. And uh, some may say that was a long time coming, but uh, you know, he's been picked for a long time as you know a potential lion, and he, he showed that caliber of performance. So, I mean, it just shows that there is that that strength and depth that Joe seems to. Uh, Seems to be able to grow from the squad. He cultivates an environment where that next player up that are able to step up and and fill that that jersey. That where there's Conor Murray move, uh, being right with an injury and Kieran Mannion coming up in and, and settling in very well and playing very very well in the weekend. It's it's that sort of squad mentality that Joe has created and uh, players that are in an Irish squad come out of Six Nations uh, uh, better players for
4: it actually I was going to say the one thing I actually loved about O'Mahony coming back in was that it seemed to fire up O'Brien as well that those two just kind of fed off each other's energy I thought that the two of them were brilliant and about the balance of that back row I um, it's interesting to see where that championship would have ended if, if they had went with that from the start like O'Mahony was absolutely brilliant in the line out but he just brought so much kind of intensity to it as well didn't he Like it, it's, it's, a, it's a nicer back row for me anyway not, not saying too much of it against Jamie but I'd like to look at that Irish back row
0: it could be and what we'll do now is we'll take a quick break and we'll come back to talk about potential um, Irish Lions overall Lions and whether someone like O'Mahony has put a late hand up for selection
3: Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come <laughs> back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing, really. Remember, Rod, right, Kev and the Kalini used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for them. <laughs> like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day.
1: The Hard Yards on Sports Joe, backed by Ladbrokes.
0: So we're Six Nations gone, Lions is ahead of us um, after the end of the club season, but who, who right now is on the plane from an Irish perspective, Kev?
1: you got to look at if you're to look at the starting Lions 15 um, and who's right in the mix up for you you got best furlong Stander is right in the mix Shawnee I would say is in the mix as well um, Murray and Sexton um, Henshaw will be there thereabouts. thereabouts um, in terms of back three players it's hard to know I don't know whether Raj and Paddy have any opinions on that or, are there any Irish back three players in the mix up do you think?
2: Yeah, I think so for me. Um, I think people forget it's the middle of winter in, G- in June in New Zealand. It's going to be greasy, it's mm. going to be difficult conditions. Uh, well, what I've experienced down there, it's usually not a pleasant place in June in New Zealand. Um, so I think uh, Stuart Hogg will definitely go as the first choice. 15. I think his game is. He's an electric pair. I just. Uh, the argument for for bringing um
0: Is Rob Kearney going on this tour? That's a good question I mean I he's, he's, he, he played brilliantly in Chicago but up to that and maybe since that it just hasn't been the Rob Kearney of old Well I think there's a
2: number of factors for that and the fact that he, he, he finds or his body finds it difficult to present itself fit mm-hmm. every Monday and Rob Kearney is 30 now, is he and he's given so much. He's 30
0: with a with a lot of miles in the clock as
2: well. Yeah, and f- um like he's he's a, a powerful athlete too as a, as, a, as a really good footballer, but I think um the decision for the selectors is to decide what emphasis they're going to put in fielding high balls. If they want people fielding high balls, I think that's really opens the debate and gives them a great chance of starting in test games. But if you're looking at um you know what I mean? Probably a dry ball on a firm pitch with, with just the exuberance of youth. You, you go for hog all day. Um, there's the other example in terms of 15. Will Zebo go as the second 15? Um, I think for me, he has X factor. I, I think he's definitely on the plane. Um, but then on the other side of it, I think um, you have... Um, Statistically speaking, this was a great championship for Keith Earls in terms of line breaks, tries scored, defenders beaten. I just think he can play twelve, thirteen, eleven, fifteen, fourteen. I think you have to be. I would think um, sharp in how you're building your squad in terms of how do you envisage this going? Because they like they'll have, they'll have mapped all these games and mm. they'll know exactly how they want to approach these test games. So. Yeah. I think
0: we, we, we look forward to a Lions squad episode I think, I think we can actually have a, an entire episode about yeah, that. But, but in the meantime is after last weekend's performance, is Peter O'Mahony the greatest Irish flanker we've ever seen? But, uh, Andy you can't <laughs> ask a question like that because... <laughs> but the reaction seems to be that this is now, the, even the English media are going oh, wow he's already on the plane. Yeah but that's I mean, typical it's, it's because it's
2: we hadn't seen him the whole championship yeah. he, had a, he had a a he had a very good game but I think he poached one ball in the air which He's expected to. Peter Romani, as you know, is a, is a power athlete. So he excels in CMJ. And um, his capacity, I think, for power um, in in um, power output, so his capacity to kind of spring is incredible. His fitness is uh, probably an area he needs to work on and get better at because um, he, do, he does um, tire, um, but that will come I think with putting minutes behind him he hasn't had a run I think I heard Joel Schmidt talking about it It was his first 80 minutes since Mm. the France game when he got injured which is a long time ago Mm. so there's a challenge in that too in terms of bringing people on tours and about people who are durable and uh, I think he was an outsider before last weekend I think all of a sudden now he's shot the prominence but if you're being realistic and analysing it, I think he he's there. Thereabouts, the key game for him, I think, will be um, the the game in in Thom Park against Toulouse. If he comes up with another man of a match performance, there timing is
0: everything. He's going to be a, a, at least on the plane. The captaincy thing. Um, I mean, it, it's rare. To, it's rare to tell again. Is there anyone who's actually putting their hand up to be the captain of this tour and of this Test team?
1: Dylan Hartley's put his hand down, <laughs> uh, if that answers your question, because he like he's not good enough. Uh, I, I don't know about his captaincy credentials. He's obviously strong, but I've never, I've never, I don't know what he's like. I haven't spoken any of the, any of the English guys about him, but I I think uh, it's going to be best or Alanwyn Jones.
0: And Alanwyn Jones is now out for what six weeks, I think six they're saying. Six weeks. I, six, I
1: don't think that'll have an impact on. Him. I think yeah. like he's going to pick him, and I think he'll probably pick him as captain. Like from a coach's perspective, they want a captain they know. Yeah, as you said, that the injury has no
2: relevance. No. no, he'll go on that tour and he'll probably go as captain. But is it um, significant the fact that they took the captaincy from Warburton? And Warburton has started to perform very well. He's usually. back. He's
0: back to being Sam Warburton.
1: Yeah. What's he like, right?
2: Yeah. Like, is he captain material? Or? No, that, well, exactly. But like, uh, that's why it's so fascinating for us. I think because we were spoiled with some. Well, for me, in terms of you know, what I mean, Driscoll or it's everything you can ask for and more you know what I mean the biggest um i suppose s- our evidence of that was just someone like Martin Williams who was you know I mean an unbelievable a uh, very good rugby player but an even better person, and mm. to go on lines tour there's an awful lot more involved than the rugby side it's about group harmony mm. and actually uh buying into the project because if down there if you don't buy in it's going to be difficult enough as we know but if people start jumping ship and going away and looking after themselves yeah. it's all over and you really need such a strong character um to to gel the whole thing and and it's going to be survival of the toughest in terms of the mental capacity and um i think it's in eddie jones came out and said maybe
0: you select a, a captain from from each of the countries yeah, Paddy. Is that kind of if if that did happen, would that be kind of just sidestepping the issue here? You know, four country captains—is it going against the kind of ethos of actually having one person to pull together the group?
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I think. I mean, it it's warming itself to cliques, uh, almost uh, because each each countryman will have their own leader essentially. Uh, no, I think. Uh, <sighs> It's very hard to guarantee a place as well. So whenever you're picking a captain, you want to be picking a captain who's more than likely to be starting in the in the starting fifteen. So, I mean, within an alliance squad, you're going to have you know a number of different captains from different countries and a no- number of different leaders, a number, number of different you know uh, leaders of the pack. Uh, you know, Johnny Saxon, for example, is is a great leader within Ireland. Uh, is he one of the uh, first names on the team sheet at the moment. Probably is he captain material? I wouldn't rule it out either. Uh, but having no experience, probably at that highest level at international level, captaining, it, it, you know, it might be a very bold move for for Gatland to to give the responsibilities to Johnny. Uh, but
0: I mean, so pa- Paddy, gun, gun, gun to it, your head, gun to your head. Who's your line captain? Yeah.
3: Uh, I would have to go with Alan jones at the moment.
0: Okay, Alan jones is one. Uh, Raj, your line's captain. One name.
4: Can't give you a name.
0: No name yet? No. Okay. Kev?
4: I'll go bestie. Bad. Um, Alan Wynne-Jones, but I don't know if he's going to play every game, so Owen Farrell, I wouldn't mind if he captained the test team. Okay. Um, yeah, just there was a thing about actually Sexton, he wouldn't be a bad shout either. I know in 2013 he he was up with Jamie and he got the knock on the door from Declan Kidney and he didn't get the captain scene he was very he spoke openly about this being disappointed about it so like it is something that he would love to do I'd say he'd bloody revel in it as well wouldn't he but uh, yeah I wouldn't mind either them um, Sexton or, or, or Farrell to lead that test team
0: okay we'll say goodbye to Paddy Wallace and we'll move on to the Pro 12 roundup and uh, a bit of a look forward when we get back
1: The Hard Yards on Sports Joe backed by Ladbrokes
0: Pat McCarry. Looking ahead to the weekends Pro 12.
4: Yeah, I was look, looking back at the fixtures there. I suppose everybody in, in the whole country just zones back in or um, on the Pro 12 now. And there's only five games left in the the league campaign, and, and things are getting tight enough now. And and there seems to be seven sides battling for those six positions. So, um, yeah, all of a sudden the the, the heat is on, and there's, there's games now where people will start kind of coming back to the games. But, uh, you know, big big points on offer this weekend. And you can you could see three sides winning you've got um, Ulster playing Dragons. Um and then you have Zebrae um our host in Munster as well. Like and um that's another game for Munster to kind of get back on track and get a win as well. So I'd see both of those sides winning that game, um winning those games. And then what I'd kind of consider gimme, and I don't know what, what you might say about this, but Leinster are home to Cardiff and um like I've been I've been at the RDS before where they've put big points up in Cardiff as well. Like so you you'd probably say that as well, Kev, that's a kind of a not a handy win, but they they should get the job done.
1: Yeah, traditionally playing Cardiff at home, you're thinking they'll come out hard but if you're solid against them they'll run out the gate and I don't I think Roger probably agree with that we just knew all we'd do was beat them up Roger's yeah. collapsed into I don't
2: uh, I got a fierce slagging about uh, the lads say I don't play Pro 12 so I only used to play for Ireland in, in the Heineken game
1: so
2: I don't they were there he hasn't played Cardiff know. since yeah.
1: 1995 exactly. so yeah uh, now like I don't do those matches no it's like John O'Gibbs used to say to us like we bash them for the first half an hour, and they roll over and have their bellies tickled. Now I think they're toughen up a bit since then, um, and they have a Kiwi coach who's a bit tougher on them. And but I still think yeah, I mean that's Leinster will be disappointed they don't win with a bonus point. Yeah.
4: Connacht, yeah. Connacht
1: won't have it too easy this week. Well,
4: yeah, that's what I was going to say. That they're they're in um, massive like they've they've had crazy injuries all season again and, and again every report comes up is just like um just a list of the wounded and it comes out every every Tuesday from Connacht and um they've they've he. I think yeah, Matt Healy's gone for another while. K- Keller has gone. He's had a great start to the season. It's a shame he hasn't been able to kick on. And then Bo- uh, Boshoff has to go back to um, go back to South Africa because his, uh, his father passed away. So he was due to start as well for them. So um, absolutely riddled um, they are. And to go away to Glasgow, I don't know. Like I wouldn't be expecting much out of them, but. Um, I don't know. I suppose what Roger kind of saying, you know, wouldn't have too much involvement to Pro 12. But have you ever kind of been in a a squad where they've had maybe over 50% of the squad being injured? Has it ever been that bad for you guys? Jeez, I don't think so. No, um, no, I
2: think um, the Connacht are obviously depleted, and Glasgow have to get points this weekend. That's the reality of it because, as you said, it's become compressed at the mm-hmm. top, but Ulster find and form again. So. Um, yeah, it is a tough ask and Glasgow are, are
4: um, really, really good on that synthetic pitch. Yeah, that's what I'd say actually. I'd, I'd say Glasgow will win that comfortably, but then the other three Irish sides, I'd say, well, I'll get the win. So, um, yeah, it should be a good weekend for the Irish sides. Um, we've got Alex who on the line. Um, Alex,
0: Pro 12 Action, you're an who man uh, who supports Wales. Um, how are you feeling about rugby at the moment?
5: Uh, pretty decent, actually. Yeah, I was about to say when we were, when we were getting everything set up for this, everyone was getting ready to have a good laugh at me for for last weekend. And I reminded everyone that despite my despite my accent, I was actually uh, raised in the valleys of South Wales. So I'll I'll be the one having having the laugh in in the end. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty decent actually. I think it was a, it was a brilliant Six Nations as a fan it was a decent Six Nations from a bookie's perspective we saw loads of interest the games are all pretty decent and like I say we've got a few decent club games to kick, kick us over with until, until the Lions um, release the main show in the summer so yeah all, all, all systems firing in the world of rugby at the moment for sure
0: So from your Ladbrook's perspective what are your odds on the number of Irish players that would be in this Lions squad right now?
5: So, we, so we've had a look at it yesterday at the moment we think it's going to be around four or five so we, we're saying um over uh, so we're saying five or more players is odds on at one to two. Um, is that we're saying or Alex, is six it? or more players is thirteen to eight. So we think it's going to be four or five players uh, that will start the first test. Pardon me. Um, we think it's going to be in terms of making a squad um, even more than that. We've actually got some individual odds on the players to start the first test. So according to the Ladbrokes odds this morning, the most likely Irishman to start the first test um Ty Furlong, odds on at one to four. Um, CJ Stander long odds on at one to ten. Uh, Rory Best, it's a point us whether we think he's going to start the first test or not. Is basically five to six each of two. Um, then we've got some of the outsiders, Connor Murray, um, and he looks likely to start the first. test, Sean O'Brien four to one, and then Jodie Sexton odds on as well. So we, we, the main the main men are in there. And there's another interesting bet. I wonder what the lads' opinion of This is uh, Rory Best to be the captain two to one, a bit of an outsider. But our rugby boys at the head office gave him the tiny squeak of of being captain if, if Sam Warburton didn't get the gig.
0: So standard is ten to one on to start
1: the first test.
5: Yeah, looking like an absolute certainty. Uh, ten to one on six to one, not to ten to one on to start the first. Labrooks are test
1: picking test. the team, are they? Absolute certainty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> might, the might work for Labrooks, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, So, it, how do you see
0: the breakdown across the four nations then?
5: Uh, in, what in terms of all, in terms of. Um, Who's going to rep, Who's going to have the most? I mean, yeah, in exactly. that In that regard, in that, in that in that regard, that's one we haven't really got around to yet. I will tell you what, I will give you though. that's interesting. Dylan Hartley, uh, by no means certainty to to make the lines. Actually, we make him odds on eight to sixteen, but he's just six to four not to make um, not to make the squad. I know there are a lot of people over on this side that were pretty disappointed, but it looks like Gatland doesn't really buy into. England success um, certainly in terms of individuals and like I say we've, we have a feeling that Dylan Hartley is by no means issuing to even make the lines which I think a lot of people might find a bit of a surprise
0: OK um, thank you very much for that uh, just before we go uh, Raj, it's been another funny week in Paris where rugby is concerned
2: yeah it sure has it's been um, well this has been I suppose a lot more um, serious than other weeks we've had um, an awful lot of I suppose events this this season and um, So, in summary, the merger's off. The merger's finished, yeah. Um, Nothing has changed from Rassing's point of view. Stad's point of view is slightly different. I think their owner um, wants out and has been seeking to sell the, I suppose, the rugby club for a number of years and he's failed. But I think he's given an ultimatum that he's gone within the next three
0: months, which leaves them in a a very um, challenging position. So, if you want to buy a rugby club... (laughs) There's one going, and if you, hit your, if you money. hit your bets, yeah. Um, right, time to wrap it up. Ronan Nagara, thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin McLaughlin. Thank you, Pat McCarrie. Thank you, Paddy Wallace. Thank you, Alex Donahue from Ladbrokes. Joe Harrington is our producer, and Shane Dempsey is on sound. Get in touch by tweeting any of us or at sportsjoe.ie and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud or through your favourite podcasting app. This has been The Hard Yards. I am Andy McGeady. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.
1: The Hard Yards on Sports Joe, backed by Ladbrokes.